They change cultures. They're heat seekers. They run at adversity and embrace change. These are the room tilters. Somebody who can change the temperature in a room when they walk in. Mm. And that's metaphorical for somebody who can influence those around them and make it such an impact quickly, emphatically, and long-lasting, whether it be an organization, a team, a relationship, whatever it might be. This is the Room Tilters Podcast, presented by Limitless Minds. Co-hosts DJ Eitzen and Harry Wilson, founders of peak performance and leadership consulting company, Limitless Minds, explore how the best and brightest change the temperature in a room. From sports, the military, entertainment and media, clinical psychologists to CEOs, this podcast will navigate what it takes to think big and go far. And now, DJ and Harry. Today's episode is a special one. I get a chance to interview a friend from 20 plus years ago, David Freeman, who is now a health and fitness professional that has been in the fitness industry for 10 plus years. He is the national program manager for Alpha Training with Lifetime. He has been featured on the cover of Experience Life magazine and was featured in Men's Health and Men's Journal. He's married with two kids, Bain and Harley. His wife, Michelle, is a is an Olympian in, in her own right and, um, you know, just a beast. And, and the two of them are, are quite the couple. So really excited to interview David, spend some time with him, and um, let's get it cracking. I'm really, really excited to have David on the Room Tilters podcast. DJ, I've been, I've been talking about free and, and wanted to have him on for a while. Um, David, thanks for joining, man. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Super excited to connect with both you guys today. So it's been, it's been a while, but I mean, we've been staying in contact since college. So I'm excited to get after it with you guys today. Yeah, I feel like I've gotten a chance to like follow, you know, what you've been doing because of social media, man. You're active, dude. You're active out there. Well, social is a powerful tool. I mean, we're all aware of that. And I, I want to say maybe it was 2005. I'm not 100%, but that's when Facebook kind of hit the ground yeah. running and you know it was only um available to those who were in college so we we felt like we were the cream of the crop and we were a part of something that only was kind of like uh just exclusive to us but uh since then obviously instagram twitter all those different things tiktok all these great uh ways of con- connecting with individuals and and bridging these gaps uh, of uh whether it's the differences of individuals or the similarities it was it's pretty cool how we can use this platform to connect especially during these times. That's right. Well, listen, I told our listeners a little bit about you in the intro, but I wanted you to introduce yourself to our audience, you know, and kind of from the frame of reference of, you know, where you've been, where you're at today, right? And then kind of where you're going. Um, so maybe like break it down a little bit for us, like, you know, who you are. Name's David Freeman. I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina, originally. Love Carolina, Southern boy for sure. Uh, went to University of Richmond, as mentioned, um, as well. We played college ball together. Uh, after University of Richmond, I went overseas. I was in France and uh, Denmark, played a little bit of, in the EuroLeague over there. Uh, and that's where I came to finding out who I truly was through, through isolation, if you will. Uh, and when I say isolation, and I, I mean that from the sense of being isolated from a lot of the distractions, such as social media, our family, our friends, or things that can easily take us away from uh, spending time with self. I, I really started to come into my own while overseas. Uh, but me, uh, how I would describe myself, I would be a person that is is, is ambitious, hungry, and always wanting to learn more. Um, that's being on today's podcast. Hope, hopefully, I'm going to grow even more just from you guys, surrounding myself with guys that are smart. Funny, Dave, I was just FaceTime with my mom before this uh, podcast. <laughs> and uh, I was telling her what I was doing. I said, you know, I'm interviewing David Freeman. She's like, what? She's like, how's he doing? And I was like, well, I'm about to find out. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but I was telling her what I'm about to say right now, which is one thing about David that I remember from 
you know, day one, August 2nd, 2001, right? It was how ambitious you were. And that's still something that, and I have this on my whiteboard right now, David equals ambition. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you a little about that because that doesn't just come from nowhere, right? And also I think even more so, it's really interesting how that, how you maintain that stamina of ambition. Yeah, ambition to me uh, is, is deeply rooted into my foundation as an individual, um, as a whole. And to my earliest memory of when growing up with, with my pops and my mom, my sister, our mindset was such a strong foundation into any and everything that we did in this world. Uh, and my parents always told us, whatever you put your mind to, you can do. Don't let anybody ever take mm-hmm. that away from you or make you think, think otherwise. Only impossible till somebody makes it possible, which we probably have heard before as well. So early on, growing up to the earliest age that I can remember, I was probably six to seven. Um, me and my sister, she's four years older than me, my sister Martina, we would get up at 5 a.m. in the morning. We would pull tires. We would, we would run heels. And we thought that was normal. Hmm. And when we got to the bus stop, you know, after getting back home, making up bed and, and getting ready for school, we got to that bus stop. And in that sense, those two to three hours before getting to the bus stop, we accomplished more than mm. some adults, let right. alone kids, were doing. That was just instilled in us as far as like, this is the way of life. So I always thought that was the norm. And then when I started to come into my own as far as understanding, um, you know, you start to come into manhood when you get to middle school and high school, you start to discover a little bit more about self. And you start to buck up a little bit and dad, I don't want to do this. You become more resistant. And what my dad and my mother were doing was preparing me for life, not sports, because that was just a byproduct. They were preparing me for life as far as discipline, structure, um, and doing things that you might not want to do, but still getting them done. And that carried over to college when we uh, actually connected. Whatever vibe and energy that you got from me was authentic from all that foundation that was established 12 years prior to even getting there, right? I love that. I love that. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's amazing and it comes up all the time with how people in your background, whether it's your father, your mother, you know, last week uh, we were talking to an individual extremely successful. He's talking about how his brother made a huge impression on him. But mm-hmm. um, those those foundational things and, and the experiences that you go through, it make you who uh, who you are today. So thanks for sharing that with us. It's It's interesting because a lot of times when we're talking to people that have a, a high amount of influence like yourself and have been successful, we talk about what works, right? And like mm-hmm. what, they, you know, how, how things, you know, things that they're doing in their life that's working. Give mm-hmm. us some time and tell us about a time where something didn't work out for you. You know, what, what, and what did you learn from that experience? Oh, man, I could tell you a, a few things. We might have to extend this for an hour. <laughs> to your point, I'm going to give you one, but there's been many that you're going to hear. No, you're going to fail way more then you succeed, but that's what builds that strong foundation because through that failure or that no, it's a learning process and you grow stronger and stronger should as a lesson to allow you to come into your own. So one particular uh, situation that happened with me was 2007. After I got back from overseas, um, I was pursuing obviously the NFL. It was like everybody's dream to play football. You want to get to the top of the top. And when that last door was shut saying, okay, David, you have to start focusing on something else that's going to allow you to provide for yourself and then in the near future for your family. 
And when that shift happened, I ended up doing my first ever interview and it was with a health and fitness company. I was like, shoot, I've been around health and fitness my whole life. I had my pops, I had my mom, I had my sister, I had, you know, all my coaches. Like, I know this inside and out. Let's go. So when I went to my interview, I sat down and I went through a four-part interview. And in my mind, I'm like, I got this. You know, University of Richmond, 71st High School, like my education is there, my, my experience is there. No doubt. After I got through the four-part interview, I sat across from the individual that was the manager. And he said to me, he was like, hey, love a lot of what you stand for, but when I heard the butt, it's like, <laughs> it felt like the light, the lights went out in the room, right? But um, I don't think you're a good fit for our team. And mind you, and this is not me sounding arrogant or cocky or anything, I've always been picked mm -hmm. on teams. Like, whether it was the first one or you're the captain or whatever, like every game and everything that I've been a part of growing up, I've always was picked, even, even if I wasn't good at the sport. Like, they still picked me because I passed the eye test. It was just like, I always got picked. So... This was the first time that I was told no, or I wasn't good enough for a team. And you can only imagine mentally what that probably did, individual who's always been told yes, you know, in this scenario at least, right? So within that situation, I called one of my close friends, and, and you know him as well, Harry, uh, Cliff Coker, and I called him up and I told him, you know, Cliff's from New York, so he shoots it to you straight. He ends up telling me, he's like, what'd you tell him? I said, well, I told him how, you know, I love playing football and I'm, I'm passionate about X, Y, and Z with football, football, football. He was like, let me just stop you there. You went in an interview and you talk about football when the interview is for health and fitness. <laughs> he was like, that's where you messed up. He said, when you go into an interview, you need to tell them exactly how you're going to benefit their company and why you'd be a valuable asset to their company. They don't want to hear about your football dreams and everything. Funny thing is, I was like, all right. I went down the street, same exact company, five minutes down the road, because I was already dressed, right? Not knowing who that person that I was being interviewed by until after the interview, 10 minutes, this is the first interview, 10 minutes into this interview, manager, his name's Matt Rulo, he stopped me. He said, hey, you don't say anymore, you're hired. Oh, wow. And he happened to be the regional manager for the company that I was with at that point in time, uh, Lifestyle mm -hmm. Family Fitness. And I'm saying all that to say this, and this, once again, this isn't like a, a dig mm -hmm. or anything. Three years later, the person who said I was not good enough for their team, I was their manager. And I didn't rub it in. I didn't say anything. I led by example through the actions that I've learned, like I said, from being instilled in me very early on, the ambition, the drive, the focus, the loyalty to what it is that I stand for and want to spread that amongst any and everybody that I come in contact with. So when that opportunity presented itself when I was in a management role and this individual was now going to be somebody that I was going to serve. I didn't, I didn't have any bad blood or anything towards this individual. If anything, I wanted to show the example of what I was always, but I messed up during that interview because I shared all the things that he or the company probably did not really have a, a strong interest in. That would be my one example. Yeah. When you look back, back at that, it could have went another way. I could have not been in the fitness industry at all and just quit. But instead, I was resilient. I reached out to a small circle of friends, right, uh, Cliff. I got right back on that horse. And you fast forward it now, or oh, I'm a national brand manager for a company. Crazy, man. That's, that's interesting, right? Because I, I kind of made some similar mistakes, dude, like right out of school, like interviewing, thinking one, 
way um, opposed to the right way. Uh, what's interesting is I remember coming out of college and I remember Cliff, speaking of Cliff, Cliff's going to get some shine on this podcast, but, Cliff, <laughs> but Cliff, Cliff did a great job of getting a job that I thought it was, you know, it was in the pharmaceutical space at a really great company. And I was like, damn, like, I want to be like, I want to be like that. I want to do what Cliff did. Cause like, I'm trying to interview for these things. I'm not getting these jobs. Um, I, I should have reached out to him and followed, <laughs> followed your footsteps. <laughs> it out. What's awesome about that is just like you said, your resilience, your ability to kind of identify your own internal locus control and realize that you're in control of the situation. You're in control of your circumstances. Let me go back in different day, different environment, different, you know, different sunrise and see if I can't, you know, do something different. Right. You know, I've been following you and, and I've noticed that, you know, my man has branded a method of his own and it's this three E's concept. Give us kind of the high level on what that is. And cause I just, I was thinking about that relative to your story and maybe how that's been part of the recipe to kind of build this, this philosophy around these three E's. Tell us a little bit about that. This has been an integral part of who I am when I found myself uh, back in 2007 while I was in France. And I did the most journaling. I did the most reading. And I mean, like I said, it was me discovering self. And within self, that's where I really truly became empowered. So the three E's empower, elevate, and evoke. So the first E, which is empowering self, like understanding who you are and staying true to your identity and being authentic to that. And what we tend to do so many times is we try to uh, play the role in somebody else's story versus creating our own story. And what has worked for Harry or DJ might not necessarily work for David. And we have to be able to, don't get me wrong, we can be inspired by Harry and DJ and take whatever we might have uh, drawn from them. But at the same time, we have to be able to own who we are and live out our own story. So the number one E is, is the most powerful one, hence the name Empower, because you find who you are through true identity and that self-reflection and understanding who you are, what you stand for, your personal mission and vision statement, vision statement, and how you make that come to life. So the first E is Empower. The next E is Elevate. Now, you probably are thinking, okay, Elevate, right, to, to rise up, to become better at whatever it is that you may be doing, Elevating the game. So this, now that you know who you are, how do you elevate your craft? So you're not giving anything yet to anybody. People might be drawn to you because they love that energy that you're giving off. But understand, now that I know my identity, how do I beat my craft daily? How do I start to add more tools to my toolbox so I become great? Not good, but great within what it is that I'm doing. And elevating meaning is that you're going to constantly evolve as an individual uh, within your craft. And you have to become that 1% better each day and own that. So once you know who you are, then you have to hone in on that identity and build your craft daily, which is going to be elevate. And only then you get to the 30, which is evoke. And that's creating change or sparking a feeling, um, igniting something in someone. And that is a beautiful thing because when you look back at all the things that I just said, if you know who you are, and you know what it is that you're doing and you know the why behind all those things, guess how much influence and movement you can create with those around you? And that's from your family to your friends, to people who are just watching you. That's the power of the three E's. Uh, but we try to probably focus on one E before the other E, you know, and try to jump ship before understanding who we are as a, as a people before we can evoke change. You have to, you have to spend a lot of time with self. And like I said, beat that crab daily. I really like that. I mean, the elevate part for me is 
um, you know, where, you know, with our business, Limitless Minds, and kind of some of the people that we're working with is, is I think where people are, really have a thirst and an opportunity um, right now in like today's environment, today's ecosystem is that growth. I mean, you know, we hear it as, you know, elevate or growth mindset or whatever it might be, you know, we call it, you know, we call it the fact that you don't have to be sick to get better. And there's a reason why that's in the middle, right? And, um, and it's just such a, a critical piece of the puzzle. I love how you're thinking about that. Um, I love the process that you've kind of identified and put in place. And I think that right now, like in 2020, which has been a hell of a year, right? More important mm-hmm. than ever. And I wanted to ask you, you know, about COVID-19, you know, and honestly, DJ, you're probably checking me right now because we've talked about like not even calling it COVID-19, just calling it the healthcare challenge, That's right? Like that. Opposed to a crisis, this is a healthcare challenge. And it's all, it's all of the above, right? But we're trying to position it with our language a certain way. But what have you been doing differently during this time, right? Because it's hard to, you can't really do the same thing you've always done. The healthcare challenge, let's talk about that. Number one, and I'm being very transparent, and I like to be vulnerable to individuals so they feel more comfortable with with this whole podcast that we're doing right now. I was Mm -hmm. furloughed. And many people, my coworkers, my counterpart, like all these individuals were shocked that I was furloughed. And to me, most people can probably get caught up in the emotion of I got either laid off, furloughed, my company doesn't care about me, I'm easily replaceable, X, Y, and Z. Remember what I ended up saying earlier with the the three A's. If you know who you are, you're not defined by a company, right? You are your own brand and you help elevate whatever brand you're a part of. So if you're, uh, let's say Harry, you're you're Nike, right? Mm -hmm. Harry's Nike, DJ, DJ's LeBron. Mm -hmm. So they both exist. They both exist. But the platform, Nike, is elevated through LeBron, right? So same concept here, when I got the news, most, most individuals probably would be upset and this, that, and third with emotions. Me personally, I thought of all the different, all these creativity thoughts came into my head. Like, what can I do to keep the ball moving, keep people smiling, laughing, and keep their mind focused on health and fitness still? And what I've done differently, if anything, is I... I've been doing more creativeness with my social. Um, And since I was so consumed with the day-to-day, I was focusing on elevating the brand within the brand. I had the opportunity during this time to tap into my creative juices that I haven't really done a lot with because I was focused so much on doing what I was already doing. With that, family is is a strong foundation within this. The kids as well were part of being sent. They're not able to go to school. So I became more, even more involved because I'm homeschooling. For me to be involved with my son and my daughter's schoolwork, what it is that they're learning. Like we got little touches here and there whenever they were in school, but now to be the whole lesson plan and seeing how they're receiving the information how how they're de- how it's being delivered from us. Like one thing I took away from this, and I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you guys would agree too, if you're homeschooling, teachers should be getting paid way more than whatever they're getting paid right now. Yeah, I, I would say this. It allowed me to be way more present and way more available to things that truly matter. And that's not a dig at uh, the, a company. 
it's just exposing and revealing, I would say, let me use the word revealing, it's revealing to us more of what we need right. to be tending to, whether it's getting your, your marriage right, whether it's uh, being more present in your kid's life, whether it's you focusing on the book that you never wrote, whether it's you reading more, it allows you to have time to sell, which goes back to the first E. That's right. Empowering. That's great. And thanks for being vulnerable there, because I think a lot of people can relate. Obviously, everyone's life has changed in some in some way. And I think a lot of people are looking back. It's the people like yourself that continue to look forward and look at the opportunities that are, are brought about through during this time. And that doesn't that doesn't diminish the fact that, I mean, these are challenging times. There's no question. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's how do we approach them? And so I think you've given the uh, the listeners here. Uh, some things to think about. So that's that's really awesome. So for me, this is kind of a selfish question, right? Harry and I have been attached at the hip for like the last decade, right? Like over the last decade, I should say. And um, and so I know him over the, you know, these last seven or eight years. Tell me a little bit about like maybe a story or what what was Harry like <laughs> back in 2001, back when, because he, he tells me a certain story, right? Like, you know, uh-huh. Him running around campus with his, you know, with his shirt off, you know, things like that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I want to, I, I want a Harry Wilson story. So Harry Wilson, I would say is this, he, he, he walked into the room and he was already gifted with talent. Let's say that um, coming from the background uh, with his parents, he, he, he came from a gift talent and don't get me wrong. He worked for it too. It just, in my opinion, being like a two sport athlete, playing football, playing baseball, at the collegiate level, he just stood out. Uh, he had this swag about him. Obviously, he had this this walk. You you could just tell Harry had this this strong presence, and people knew Harry just across the board. I mean, he could sing, he could woo you. Um, <laughs> I mean, he just that's what I'm saying. It's like you envy, you're like all right, all right, it's this something he can't do. Let's let's hope it's this, and then lo and behold, he could do that too. So um, he was a great guy, great teammate. Um, he is. I said was. He is still to this day. And I would say this one story. This this part is funny. Um, I remember our freshman year. Obviously, we have a D hall, which is our dining hall. Mm-hmm. And as freshmen, you know, we we had this. I don't want to call it hazing, but we had to like sing, right? And at any point in time, when the seniors or upper class and start dinging. Uh, their their forks on the glass, Tupperware or whatever the tables, you know, it's time for a freshman to sing. <laughs> and I just I just was like, dag, yo, I don't I don't I I'm gonna sing shy if I ever fall in love because you know I probably can hold that a little bit. But it was Harry Wilson. Did you sing with Sunshine? I want to make sure I'm telling you right. I sang by well I sang by myself what you're talking about, but I, I did something different with Sunshine and Jeff Rich over at the uh, at the like the the summer you know like the summer cookout thing. But I was solo. So you were solo and. What what was the song? You know what song it was, man. It was Candy Rain. Candy Rain. <laughs> yeah, so for real. So for real. And the thing is, I don't know why I had sunshine in my head. I got sunshine. I don't know why I had that in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Candy Rain. And then, I mean, I'm telling you, like, this is before American Idol and everything. Like, he was that guy. He was the American Idol before the show. He was doing it, huh? I'm going to have to stop, man. The, you know, the, the, the free, listen, I appreciate the love. Appreciate the, the shine on that. It was really other way around, you know, Freeze, Free was, uh, you know, kind of the the, man, the big man on campus and, and the you know, personality and somebody who got along with everybody, captain, qualities captain his senior year and everything. So, but we did, we did share a lot of blood, sweat and tears and, 
and uh, and championship by the time we got became seniors. And so we we rode together and um, we had a hell of a class of leaders and and free was at the top of that class. So thanks D free for it, for the story, man. We will share that with it, with, with the, with our, uh, with our followers. So it's, it's good stuff. You got to, we got to, if anything, in, instead of the outro, whatever the current outro is, you should have him sing on this okay. outro. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's like, great. man. Well, listen, dude, I mean, as we wrap, I, you know, I, I got one more kind of question question. Then I have some like rapid fire, more fun things to, to close it up. Are you, are you okay. down? Oh yeah, 100%. So, let's do it. You know, what I'm, one thing we're trying to do as we move forward into 2020 is I really like to ask some of our guests, like based on whatever space they're in, you know, your case fitness or, you know, other areas of health and wellness or, or any, any other business, like what kind of innovations do you see coming? Like what's next? Like what are you, what's your hypothesis for where your space and fitness goes? You know, certainly there may be an impact because of COVID-19, but with or without COVID-19, like what should we be looking for in the fitness space over the next five, maybe even 10 years? What do you think? I would say, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying that I'm accurate with this, but I would say the things that we will see post this uh, current situation is a way more healthiest nation. And I'm saying U.S. right now because we are the most obese nation in the world. And you can see we also have the highest, um, you know, count when it comes to fatality. So in my head, what I'm hoping, I don't want the fear. I, don't, I want us to eliminate the fear. The reality is what we need to speak to. We need to make healthier choices when it comes to eating. We need to have a healthier lifestyle when it comes to our day to day. We need to sleep more at night versus being on electronics or watching TV. So I'm hoping this shifts the mindset of a lot of the individuals across the world, not just the U.S., but I'm focused on us just because of, you know, how many, how many people have, have perished from this. I'm hoping that that mindset shifts and we see a lot more people active. So the health and fitness industry, you should start to see more people involved in taking back their, their health yeah. and their life. You know, I think we're starting to yeah. see that from our perspective, right? We're a consulting company essentially in this space of, you know, mindset, uh, health and wellness, mindfulness, et cetera. And what we're finding is that companies are going to start to kind of really start to widen their, their, you know, their wingspan into just the consumer space, right? Because, you know, all of their employees are in that space. And so, you know, I think companies are going to begin to invest more in this area of health and wellness, this kind of fit care area. And, you know, to be able to provide solutions for every little aspect and silo of health and wellness, right? From, from, you know, mindfulness and mental health all the way to, you know, true fitness and everywhere in between and around. And I think that it's become a competitive space for, corp for corporations because to have the best solutions across the board, because it's going to be so competitive because people are going to want to go and work for organizations that have the best solutions, right? What you're saying is kind of what we're seeing in a different way in the corporate perspective. Well, listen, okay. Thank you for being on. I have a few rapid fire questions to get to know free uh, before you jump. If that's okay. Nice. Um, yes. Bang, bang. Let's go. So the first one is TikTok or Instagram. Some reason TikTok got my, my nod right now. I like TikTok. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. You know, but what DJ, you couldn't walk into our locker room before or after practice without free, you know, breaking down some new like freestyle, <laughs> whatever it was like this man was doing. It. He was TikToking way back in the day then, huh? Favorite music group or artist dead or alive. I'm going to go with MJ. 
Michael Jackson. Um, but I'm, I'm right there. I'm going to put a, a hyphen right in between there and say Prince. I like both of them. Michael Jackson and Prince. We have the same two answers on that. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was your first car? First car was a Zuzu Rodeo. Oh, you brought that. You definitely brought that on campus. Okay. What's your favorite? What's your favorite place or city? And that can be, um, you know, in the homeland, U.S. or or abroad. Like, what? Where's Where's your favorite city place to live in? I think just because of what I experienced in France, about you know coming into my own and finding who I finding out more about myself. I want to say the south of France still holds like a a, a special place for me. So I, I would have to say uh, it's called Aix de Provence. It's the south of France, like near Marseille. That mm-hmm. by far. Um, it just happened to be in France. So uh, I would say that's that's number one. He's cultured, ladies and gentlemen. He is <laughs> Listen, I'm right. I got a whole page of notes down here, man. <laughs> okay. Uh, favorite movie? Oh, come on. You you should be able to guess this. Oh, wait. I should. What is it? I can't remember. What is it? Remember the... Remember the Titans? Yes, sir. <laughs> Hands down. I mean, it's, it's, it's any and every. It reminded me of my pops, to be honest with you. That's yeah. probably why. It's just um, everything he stood for, what uh, that coach, I mean, Denzel, but the coach stood for um, and bringing, you know, it, it, two polar opposites in a, in a sense. But by the end of the day, there were so much more similarities than differences. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you take race out of it, we're human. And that's what really matters. And to bring those those individuals together like they did, and you saw what happened, they won. So imagine when we take that same mindset and concept and apply it to just this world. And that's why I love that movie. He's got two kids that are probably going to be elite athletes if they're not already, you know, for their age group. Bane is his son. I've seen him play some flag football. So this this little man's a beast, right? The beast. <laughs> yeah. Next to Saquon Barkley, right? It kind of looks like Saquon because you got a boy and a girl, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but if it's Bane... Would, if he would, could be elite at either sport, and which one would you rather him be? The fastest man in the world, right? Or, you know, the all-time great at whatever position, right, in football? I would say fastest man in the world. Yeah, I thought you might say that. I thought you might Johnson, say that. He went Michael Johnson on him. Okay. <laughs> uh, DJ, what you don't know is that David has uh, is married to an elite athlete himself, and Michelle is, is – his wife and she has been an, you know, an Olympian, and uh, I think there's some footage of of Michelle uh, oh, no. three in a, a on the track. But yeah. that's you know, that's neither here nor there. You know, they're they're. Oh, it's definitely here. Oh, <laughs> what what events did she run? She ran the uh, hundred meters, um, and she she had her her PR. I want to say it's ten nine one. Yeah, she she's legit, man. I mean, I and I I try to keep her humble as she does the same with me. The thing is, I stepped into the wrong territory, and <laughs> I'm 36. And you know how we used to do, Harry? We just could pop out on the track and just not warm up. That's right. I I went in that same mindset uh, when I rate when I was about to race her, and yeah, I, I, <laughs> grade two tear hamstring and. <laughs> But this is the thing. Remember what I said? I said that the funny, the beautiful thing about social media, most people won't post that. I post my failures <laughs> as well as all the other things, too, because people need to see that. They need to see that you're human. So, yeah, yeah you, if you want to go catch me pulling a hamstring, it's on my Instagram. Well, you know, and it's an opportunity to not take yourself too seriously. Have some fun. Give some people some joy. Exactly. You know, that gave us that, that gave me some joy. You know what I mean? <laughs> gave sure. world joy. I felt like followers went up after that post for some reason. Well, listen, man. Um, really, really appreciate you coming on. Let me, let me. Uh, for those we keep talking about social and all these different things and different things you're doing, where can people find you right now? 
um, and be inspired by you and, and motivated, where can they find you? Yeah, so for Instagram, uh, at Freezy30, and I'm pretty sure we could probably throw these in the notes too, but at Freezy30 for Instagram, um, Facebook, David Freeman, and then TikTok, that is the new one, uh, David.Freeman67. So once again, I'll probably share all that information so Harry can post it in the notes, but um, I look forward to connecting with all those who are listening. And Harry, I know we're going to stay connected, DJ. I'm looking forward to actually meeting you in person next time. Yeah. Have a great rest of the week. Take care of that family. Uh, stay healthy during this during this interesting time we're in. And let's just let's just hold each other up, man. And, and um, we'll keep checking in. And uh, but hopefully, and hopefully, you'll join us again on this podcast. So we appreciate you. 100, man, y'all be the change. All right, love y'all. Be out. You've been listening to the Room Tilters podcast, hosted by DJ Eitzen and Harry Wilson, presented by Limitless Minds.